Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to the second ever Breathe Free podcast. My name is Matt Gannam. I'm your CEO, and I'm here with Cody Pope, uh, operations manager in Connecticut. And I want to thank him for being on the podcast today. Welcome to the Breathe Free podcast, where we get to know the people of Breathe Free. So strap in as we talk to the nation's top healthcare providers, support staff, and operations managers. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take a moment and let's breathe free. This is the Breathe Free Podcast with your host, Matt Gannam. Thanks, Matt, for having me. Uh, it, it's pretty cool to be on the second ever of anything, let alone uh, a podcast. And it's my first time ever being on a podcast, so I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I, I think I think uh, the listeners will feel your energy and engagement, and I think it'll be it'll be a good time. Um, so I got some questions for you. Some are work related, some are not. Um, so first one I'm going to ask is, how are you doing today? And, and for real, how are you doing? Not just I'm great. How are you doing? Uh, today has been fun. Um, so I'm doing fine. Um, just just running a clinic, uh, running around from clinic to clinics, day to day stuff can stress you out. And then, uh, and then personal stuff. I have a wife that's 36 weeks pregnant. So having that also in the back of my mind. And then, uh, I just, just bought a house last Friday. So that's fun as well. So personal stuff, uh, along with, uh, the professional stuff, a lot of things on the mind. So yeah, just me being real. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing okay. Awesome. 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 Um, and, and I'm going to ask you a few questions that are sort of leading you to give a little bit of background on yourself. Um, how long have you, how long have you been, uh, with, with the company in Connecticut? Yeah. So, uh, about a year and a little over a year and a half. Um, so coming up on that two year marker, uh, at the end of 2023. Awesome. Um, and what, uh, what made you interested in, in, in joining breathe free? Oh man, that's a long answer. Uh, it's a good answer though. Um, I like it. There's, there, there's, there's so many, there's so many avenues. So, um, you're going to be brought into this, Matt, whether you like it or not. So uh, you're part of this story. Um, long story short, when I'm when I was always looking to join a company of any sort, I look at the culture and I look at the people uh, that's kind of the head of the snake or the head of the company, if you will. Um, and I if their values and if their integrity doesn't match the same as mine, um, it's, it's a quick no. Um, and then when you have people that have the same values, the same integrity, but they're also the leaders um, that are in this space, people you look up to, people that are constantly moving that needle to bettering themselves. And then they also want to help better you. Um, that was kind of the, the, the marker for me um, personally and professionally. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I always like asking that question kind of catches people a little bit off guard. So, you know, you're going to get pretty raw answer uh, like yeah. that. Um, what is something that has surprised you about the experience you've had over the past couple of years that you didn't really see coming? Um, I was surprised how much I enjoyed the job, to be completely honest. Um, you know my background a little bit. Um, being a traveling salesperson um, where I'm constantly in a car and that's kind of your office, um, that's kind of was my norm. And now having an actual home, a uh, place that I can really, uh, I guess, like really bite into and uh, call, call it my own, my day-to-day. -day. Um, I, I really enjoyed that people aspect of, I guess, really diving deep into people and making them better as well as myself. 
Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you. Um, what, um, I was also going to ask and you sort of kind of maybe gave it to me a little bit, but how is your experience, you know, over the past two years compared to what you thought it was going to be like going into it? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's been really a fresher breath there in terms of, uh, how it's been like, because for me going to a PCP or going to your uh, basic ENT, looking at the office manager, looking at the ops manager role. A lot of people are sitting behind a desk, a lot of nine to five jobs. I thought I was gonna be really bored. And, and for me, it's been anything but. Um, so a lot a lot of evolution always changing. Uh, it's very dynamic. So from that, it's been very, uh, it's kind of been a breath of fresh air, breath of fresh, fresh air, if you will. Yeah, I'll tell you, um, when we started uh, Capital back in October of 2018, you know, not really knowing what I was getting into, I definitely thought it was gonna be a lot more of, you know, sitting at a desk and not moving around and like doing these kind of things. I didn't realize how like engaged and involved I would be and how many different types of tasks you do and how many people rely on you and how, how much work there really is to do, you know, and that's why these things work is that, you know, the operations manager, which is different than an office manager, you know, the office manager opens the mail and pays the bills and runs payroll. And, you know, if there's an issue, they'll talk to the insurance company or if something breaks, they'll call, you know, the, they'll call the building manager to fix it. And of course we do all of that stuff too. Um, but, but that's only, you know, a small fraction of what the day looks like. Most of the day is enabling the clinic to operate, fill in spots where if we're, if we're short staffed or there's, if we're running behind, we fill in the gaps to, to, to allow the process to speed up and, and try to keep to an on-time schedule as possible. So it, it definitely is not what I thought it would be. Um, and I've gotten a lot of that feedback over the years too. So I appreciate that. Um, what's your favorite patient story? It could be yeah. someone that you, you didn't know if we were going to be able to help someone, you know, whose life was impacted. Maybe it's how they reacted to it, you know, um, and it doesn't have to be a procedure patient, but it can be, um, you know, tell me a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, you know, this one, Matt, I've talked to you about this one personally. Um, so my background being from the sales and uh, not seeing the patients on the back end. So a lot of times you just don't have that experience. A patient came in. They had a, a you know pretty pretty bad cough for like months and months in. Um, definitely some sinusitis, but not like just a ton that you would traditionally see, but definitely some there. Um, definitely post nasal drip, and this patient was at, at their odds ends. Um, they even said that um, it, it affected their job. They had to quit their job. It, it was one of these situations where I remember he said during the scheduling process that I don't know what to do with my life at this point and I'll tr literally do anything. And it was, it was sad because I just remember watching him sweat um, profusely. I mean, he had a gray shirt on. He the, the shirt was no longer gray. It was like almost just all full of sweat and dark gray, like as you would see at a gym. And I just remember uh, thinking like, I, I don't, I'm not a man of much faith over here, but I was almost praying for this patient, if you will. Um, and I'm over here just thinking, you know, I hope, you know, this procedure will help him. I really will hope. And I remember him coming back two weeks later um, and seeing him come back through. And he was like a different human being. I remember he told me he hadn't had a cough in like four days and how it's already changed his life and how it's getting him back on the right page. And he, he started, he's, he's like, I got to tell my mom about this. I have to tell my sister about this. Um, and sure enough, his mom and sister came in we helped them as well. But for me, seeing that, I guess the outcome, which uh, from my previous job, we didn't get to see that as much, seeing how much this can change a patient's life 
um, that's for me was a huge because he was a very similar age to me. So it hit, it made it very personal for me. Yeah. That's um, that's, I mean, that's a great story. It's one of my favorites. You know, I love the fact that he was able to get relief for something that, I mean, if I remember correctly and you could, you could correct me if I'm wrong, I thought, I thought he had been to multiple ENTs, uh, pulmonology, he'd been to primary care, urgent care, maybe he had a CT scan and an MRI. Like they, they, they pretty much did everything you could possibly do to he find went to, he, went to, he went to neurology as well. I remember but, Okay, yeah, so they did everything they could to try to figure out the issue, and he saw multiple ENTs that never would have considered it being sinusitis or some something related to the to the nasal cavity causing the um, the chronic cough, which we we know that there's a lot of issue, a lot of throat issues and, and tonsil and adenoid issues and things like that stem from you know what's 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 happening in the nose. Uh, which provider? Uh, do you remember? Do you recall which provider saw saw this patient? Yeah, it was uh, our, our uh, physician's assistant, our PA, uh, Kim Lotan. Um, and the cool thing for her was she was so early in her journey as a physician assistant. And I remember grabbing her afterwards and just showing her, be like, hey, I, I hope you understand how much of an impact that you made on this, this human's life um, going forward. You know, you gave him the opportunity to have a chance of feeling better. That's all. You, and that's all you did. Um, but you, a lot of other doctors, like you said, ENTs, PCPs, neurology, they all just kind of wrote them off, said, hey, this is in your head. And he just he was at this end of the road and he was like, I'll try anything. And I remember he traveled so far to even see us. So uh, I remember, yeah, talk, talking to Kim about that. Super impactful. Do you know, since obviously he wasn't a straightforward, like, you know, really, you know, really disease CT scan long chronic history for years and things like that. I mean, obviously these are patients that we can help, but it wasn't as a, you know, as a parent, it wasn't as like in your face and it wasn't, you know, something that, you know, you could easily figure out what kind of expectations, if you remember, what did she kind of tell him, you know, about the procedure and what, what she thought maybe could or could not happen. She was very, very straight with straightforward with him. You know, medicine's uh, not a, that complete thing ever. It's not never, n nothing's a hundred percent. I remember she tells any of the patients that this could help. It, it also could not help at the end of the day, uh, worst case scenario, you're still sitting in this chair and not, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, and we, we look for another solution to the problem. Um, and that's exactly the message that Kim and all of our providers always speak on. Yeah. I mean, for the straightforward sinusitis patients, obviously, Hey, there's a, you know, call it 92% chance or 90% chance, depending on which data you're using that we're going to have success. But for these patients where they're, you know, they have, they have sinus symptoms or, or secondary sinus symptoms and, and, and throat issues and things like that. I mean, the reason that, that we can help is because we're going to, you know, say, Hey, here's, here's a guess of a couple things that might be able to help you, you know, here, here are the pluses and minuses of each one. And let's, let's roll the dice on what you think will benefit you the most. Um, and obviously, you know, we're going to, we're going to support you through, all of it. And it may be multiple things that help, whether it's allergies or, or sinusitis or whether it's a nasal valve treatment or things like that. So obviously it's, there's not always one solution for everything. Um, so we, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate that. And that's, you know, kudos to you guys out there, not only just, just Kim, but you, Dr. Weiss, Dr. Waters, everyone for, you know, providing a, a an environment where patients like that, you know, get an opportunity to get better. So that was really cool. Um, how does your family feel about you? working with Breathe Free, obviously you probably had a little bit more free time in your old life, you know, and now you have one kid and then the second one on the way. So what does that look like for you? Uh, immediate family. Um, 
my wife hates me. <laughs> no, no the ser- she does because she doesn't like the cold. Um, and I, I traveled from California to uh, breathe free in Connecticut. So immediately my wife wants to, you know, slice and dice me for taking me up, up to the Northeast. Um, but, but in all seriousness, um, she, she likes that. I like what I'm doing. She sees the enjoyment of me, uh, feeling fulfilled there's a there's definitely fulfillment that i think there was a void in my last job that i wasn't getting um that i'm able to actually get here awesome um how about how what did your family think when you when you said hey i'm gonna move you know all the way across the, the country like you're 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 you know you're you're uh, i don't want to say you're maybe your parents or your extended family yeah um initially i thought it was i thought they were all going to be pretty pissed off about it um and you, I was surprised how supportive they were. Um, my mom, definitely not supportive. <laughs> you know, I'm a mama's boy, so she definitely wanted me to stay. But, uh, you know, just breaking down the the opportunity to do something different. I'm still relatively, I like to think I'm still relatively young in my life. So, and I didn't have a, a, a much of a family yet. Now we're, you know, two years later, almost two kids um, to try to, to, try, to try something different um, with my life. And so my family at first, you know, pretty supportive. And, you know, as it got, it became more uh, near and dear, became more and more supportive. So I was actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, and, and congrats, by the way, I heard you uh, just closed on your house, which is pretty incredible. So hopefully you guys are enjoying that. Yes, sir. Um, you know, last Friday. So it's a uh, first time buying a house, first time home buyer. Um, definitely an awesome place. We're, we're so we're so lucky to have this opportunity. So it's we're, we're super stoked. Yeah. And big shout out to Rodney and Tyler from Ion Mortgage. I know they helped you out. And we actually um, just sort of negotiated something where uh, everyone at, at Breathe Free will have an opportunity to save 1% on their closing costs. Um, there's no there's no agreement between Breathe Free and, and Ion. Um, it's just people we've known for a long time that, that have a really cool thing going. And, you know, we thought it could be a good opportunity to help them, but also allow them to help us and have it be a cost savings at, at closing for, for all of our, the breathe free family. But on top of that, it'll, you know, help them grow their business as well. So I think it's a win-win. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a first time home buyer. They made the process about as easy as it gets. Everyone told me how hard buying a house was. Uh, I think the, the, the thing that I, I come from a customer service background, they were so customer service oriented. They answered all the quote unquote stupid questions. Cause I had tons of them. Um, and just kind of walk me through the entire process. So yeah, massive shout out to the guys at Ion. So thank, thank you so much to both, uh, both, uh, Rod over there. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, how would you compare uh, a breathe free clinic, not to another ENT clinic, but to a traditional, just traditional medicine, you know, um, the, the, the really fast, really quick appointment times, long wait times, you know, patient isn't as important as it is, as they are, or does it feel as important anyways? Obviously every patient is important, but does it feel as important um, when you're waiting, you know, two hours and things like that for your appointment? So um, what what do you think the fundamental differences are? How would you compare them? I think there's a few different things. Uh, I think there's a massive paradigm shift, uh, what we're doing here at in breathe free, Uh, specifically a, you already hit on it, the, the, the times and the time that we really allow our uh, providers to be with the patients. Uh, we have, we have kind of a saying, I think it's a breathe free saying, if you're not comfortable being behind your, you know, you're never going to be comfortable in this model. 
uh, because patients have questions. We need to take a deeper dive into these questions to really articulate and figure out exactly what's going on with these patients. Um, so we, we're not really just running them off with antibiotics as a first like get go. You know, a lot of times they've already had plenty of antibiotics. So we're really trying to diagnose what the actual problem is. Um, so it, that's pretty awesome. Um, I think the second thing is just availability. If a patient is really dire near and they're a new patient, they're calling us for a reason. We're the specialists. You know, they've already seen a PCP. They've already seen, uh, you know, their, their uh, whatever it is down the street, their or urgent care. They need, they need to see someone. So our ability to do same day appointments is amazing. Um, and we're only able to do that with, you know, the amount of providers we have up here. We have six providers here in, in one office, which is humongous. Yeah, no, it, 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 it the primary care and, and any of the referring physicians that we've ever, you know, spoken to when we open new clinics or when we partner with the existing clinics we have, it's, you know, the fact that if you call on a Wednesday afternoon, you should be able to get in by Friday. Um, that, that, that speaks volumes and, and, it, and it's great service for patients. I mean, we're so flexible and we allow patients to kind of tell us when they want to come. Um, and I think that's just a, a little bit of a paradigm shift to your point, more, more towards a customer service oriented business than, 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 you know, a traditional medical practice where, you know, we've all been to them. I actually went to my PCP today. It was actually pretty great. But, um, you know, a lot of the times you're waiting a long time, you know, you hear them in the room with another patient, you know, they're, they're talking to them and then they come in and you're like, oh, that's my turn. I've only been here for an hour. And then there's another, and you, you wait again and things like that. And then um, to your point about the time spent in each visit, you know, not all visits take the same amount of time. Some, po well, we have 30 minute you know, slots for our existing patients. Some of them take 10 minutes and some of them take 40 and that's okay. And the new patients, I mean, sometimes you can do it in 30 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour. And when you have as many providers as we do in a lot of our clinics, you can just kind of shuffle them around a little bit. So we don't have to wait as long, but, but if a patient has a couple more questions, our job is to answer those questions. So they feel comfortable. Our job is not to say in the back of our minds, if I don't hurry up, I'm not going to make to my next appointment or my next visit, you know, that's not okay. So um, you know, it's a, it's a testament to the culture that you guys have built there too, that, that we can embrace that. So, um, thank you for, uh, for that answer. What, um, what, what experiences in your life have, do you think have, have prepared you for this type of role? Obviously there's, there's, there's people management, there's business management, there's a lot of different personalities. You guys have a big staff, you have two floors, you know, what, what do, what do you think have, that you've done has prepared you for, for the chaos that is running a clinic like this? Time management, I think at a very young age, I was introduced to it uh, playing sports. So a lot of us, uh, you know, play a lot of sports growing up. I, I was uh, very lucky and very blessed to play at a division one level uh, in football. Um, so I think from that angle, I remember after playing division one football for five years, um, I started doing these uh, these camps all over the nation uh, where they're like up and coming seniors and juniors that are trying to get recruited. And I would sit in a gymnasium with moms and dads and talk about time management skills and what a division one high school football player would look like at the start of four o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, I'd write on a whiteboard and just go through everything. And I, in the my very first question to everybody was who wants to play division one football here? Everyone, everyone in the gymnasium raised their hand. The very end of it, I said, who still wants to play Division One football? And I say, it's okay not to raise your hand, but this is the expectation for 365 days for at minimum four years. Are you ready for this? And most people aren't ready for that. And so 
when you when you brought up the idea of running a you know organized chaos here i'm like bring it on dude like it, it, i've been there done that and i i, I felt like i was very successful at it um and i was definitely willing to learn and try try to do something completely different uh than what i was what than what i was doing that's awesome man um i'm gonna uh piggyback on on your answer and, and ask you and i've heard a million of your stories from the university of tennessee um and a lot of them maybe wouldn't be appropriate for for this podcast but if you have one that's either funny or you know memorable whether it's like a game story or a practice story or just something that happened uh that you could share feel comfortable sharing that that is you know okay to be on what what, what would you go with and 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 you know i'd love to hear it uh, I think there's one that uh, probably uh, comes to mind. Um, I think it's appropriate. It's kind of funny. So uh, if if people don't understand uh, college football in the South, it's it's definitely a religion. Um, so people, most people don't get that unless you go and check out a, a Southeastern game. What even the ACC has some really cool uh, cool cool teams. But I was a I was a freshman. I just got on the campus and I literally forgot my toothbrush. And I remember I, I, someone drove me to the wall, local Walmart and he's just like, yeah, go get a, go get a toothbrush, come back in. And I was a small offensive lineman. So I had to bulk up and, you know, you got your dormitory. So at the dorm, you also happen to have a little microwave. Everyone has that in your dorms. Easy to get some food. So I remember I went through the, grabbed my toothbrush. I went to like frozen Island. There's like Russell Stouffer, uh, like five cheese lasagna. And I remember grabbing like, I grabbed like eight of them. And I just remember, uh, I, I think it was like the aisle is just like 15 items or less. You know, go far left and Walmart. And this is East Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee. When I say it's religion, it's it's bigger, and and you can see it. There's there's pot there's podcasts out there. There's documentaries out there. This is bigger than professional sports. It's much bigger. It's like much 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 bigger. I I don't know how to really like put it out there. So I go out there. I'm, and this is my very first experience of this for being a Southern California kid. I'm putting my food on the, uh, you know, the little thing there and the guy at the checkout immediately. I have long blonde hair. I'm very California-esque. This guy, he's like, oh, Cody Pope, you're the <laughs> California kid. And I'm just like, I'm just taken back. I'm an 18-year-old Southern California kid. Like, they don't know you anything. I'm like, yeah, that's me. How you doing? He's like, man. He's like, check, you know, doing the checkout and everything. Uh, it's like, oh man, I watch your film. You're fast, man. You're a little small, but you got bulked up. It's all good, man. We're gonna get you right, balls, man. Like just talking, talking shop. And I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. My four years is gonna be great. Everyone loves me. And then uh, he kind of like quickly sees what I'm eating. He sees Russell Stouffer, and I, I happen to be a pescatarian. I was raised like that. Hippie parents, blah blah blah. But that's just, you know, eat fish, you know, and don't eat any meat. And he, he sees, he sees that this is uh, Russell Stowe for five cheese lasagna. He's like, "Hey, where's all the meat?" And I'm like, uh, "I'm like, I, I, I'm pescatarian." And he re- and he like le- leans over right over the right over this uh, you know the scanner there, and, and with his hand kind of goes sideways and goes, "Does that mean you like the boys and the girls?" Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just remember I was like, "Oh no, this is going to be an interesting four years." If this is uh, you know, the standard of what it's going to be like at uh, the University of Tennessee. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't tell anyone I was pescatarian anymore. That's a good one, man. Uh, so obviously, you educated him on the fact that you eat seafood. So that's funny. 
That's hilarious. I never would have imagined uh, going through something like that. So you had a lot of emotions there, right? You had, you know, this is going to be incredible. Some guy in the group in, in, in the Walmart recognizes me, you know, and I haven't even played a game yet. I haven't been on the practice field. And then at the same time, you're like, wow, I'm in a completely different place than where I started. So yeah, completely. that's pretty funny. That's a cool story. It's funny. Um, is there anything that's been on your mind um, recently that you want to share with the listener, with, 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 with our listeners, with our, with our family here? I don't know if it's, it could be personally, it could be professionally. It could be, I mean, really anything. Um, I mean, the obvious I kind of stated in the very beginning um, for me, I think personally, you know, I've, my wife's pregnant, super pregnant, 36 weeks. So baby, 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 number two, second, second kid coming down the pipe, uh, vasectomy coming right afterwards. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I'm done with all this, but like that, that's probably coming to the pipe. Other than that, um, been definitely, uh, working the second clinic down in Greenwich, Connecticut as well. Um, with the help of Aaron Rink down there, he's just done a great job of, uh, creating an unbelievable atmosphere and, you know, we're going to say bye to him pretty soon. He's going to go back to Arizona, but just, uh, I guess, uh, helping bring that together, uh, getting that up to speed. And then myself, you know, kind of ju the juggling act of working two different places. I can't be in two different places at once. Um, I guess that's a, I, I think that's the hardest thing. Um, and then also making sure that the, the mothership uh, that I call in Norwalk, you know, is still hitting the standard it needs to hit while the, uh, the ship down in Greenwich is getting to where it needs to get. So um, I think it's just the juggling act of both. And that, I think that's where my head is both professionally and uh, personally. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. What's uh, what's the hardest thing you've ever had to overcome? Ooh, out of, out of left field. All right. Um, overcome. You know, I think a lot of people, this, this can go a lot of different directions for a lot of people. It's probably like the loss of someone like close to them. For me, it was probably the loss of sport. Um, not being able to play uh, the sport at the highest level. Um, for me, it was uh, we're playing uh, University of Oregon, and I got injured uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, so I had an injury to uh, my neck, which gave me a limited ability to move my arm, my right arm. So just like basic necessities that we all like take advantage of, whether it's getting food to your mouth and like wiping our butt, like real basic stuff, <laughs> right? That uh, we all just take advantage of. That's normal. Uh, I couldn't do, and I and I didn't know if I was able or going to be able to do it. I had some nerve damage that was going from my neck that uh, actually gave me the inability to use my right arm. So, um, sport became a second in kind of thing um, on my end, and just it was like, hey, do I want to be able to pick up my kids someday? And and all these like question marks came in that a coach basically broke down and said, you got to give up playing football. You got to not play the sport anymore. And your dream of going to that next level is cut short. And for a lot of people that happens and you, you know, a lot of people just don't ever think it's going to happen to them, but you know, your, your, uh, your pathway changes in life. So for me, that was probably the hardest thing. And as a 22, uh, 23 year old, you're just like, put me out on the, like, let, let, let me get back on the field. You know, this is what I've worked for my entire life. I'll do anything. And you're not really looking at that other end of the spectrum of, the possibility of being, you know, uh, really, really hurt. Okay. Did, was there a chance at all? Or uh, did you think before any of that, or maybe, you know, earlier mid, mid through the, the time at Tennessee that you thought there was a chance you could play in the NFL? Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. So there's like, there's kind of some sayings, like 
if you're starting at a certain year and I was starting at my junior year, um, in the, in the sport, um, and I, and, and my ability, I felt very good and where people got drafted as yes, without a doubt. And I think this, that's another question. Like I almost don't, I almost hate that question because I hate the what if, um, because who knows what would have happened? Maybe I would have blown out my knee. Um, but it's really a really, really tough question. But I felt like in my ability, yeah, I, I would have been great. And it's funny, um, there's a lot of guys that I played with that I'm getting back together with to go see at a game this year that played their first round draft picks, the guys that played right next to me. And, you know, they, they'd they hit me up back and forth. And it would be like out of the blue and be like, hey, you know you could have played in the NFL. And I'm like, God, I don't, I don't even want to think about that. Like, you, you because they were thinking about guys that they're currently playing with in the NFL that I was better than or they thought that I could play with or be just as good as that were in the NFL. That's, 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 the hard, that's, that's like a hard pill to swallow a little bit. Um, that, it, that's interesting. I, I Actually, I've, I've probably known you for seven or eight years now, and I've never asked you that question. And it's not I, even it, – Well, it's like one of those things I told you. I, I don't even like to bring it up because what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Hey, Matt, I could be in the NFL. Like, it's so stupid, right? Like, I, I am where I am in my life. Um, and I'm super stoked to be at where I'm at, where I'm at, but like, yeah, things happen. I, there's that old, you know, quote, they say things happen for a reason. I don't necessarily know what they are, but for whatever reason, I wasn't meant to play in the NFL and that's okay. Um, life goes on. So I'm, I'm still happy to be in a very good situation in my life, doing things that make, still make me very happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a testament to your hard work or talent or, or, or and like God given ability and, 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 you know, your dedication. I mean, I was just looking up numbers, you know, I need a better setup when I'm doing this so that I can also use the internet. But um, they've had, there's been about 25,000 players ever in the NFL ever. Um, I'm going to see how many there's been. I want to see how many D one players have ever played college football. This thing says there's, at any given time, there's over 15,000 D1 players in yeah. playing D1 football at any given time, right? That's at like per year, essentially. And yeah, it says so, that that's a one and a half percent uh, chance that you'll make the NFL if you're a D1 player. So the funny thing is we would have guys come in and talk to us uh, like during the season and they would talk about your odds of going and playing in the NFL and how minuscule they are and how they go higher. If you're a starter, how many years you're a starter, how many chances you'll get to, uh, you know, whether you're a free agent and whatnot. So there were metrics that would, they would come and talk to us about. And this was back in 2006. Uh, and there was a lot of information even then on how you can basically justify whether you were not going to, whether you were going to get a chance to make that next level. That's crazy. So I just read 7% of high school football players, which there's over a million at any given time, make play in college. Only 3% play in D1. So you went from, you went 3% into like to D1. And then you had a really great opportunity to be a 1%, which is, yeah, I mean, the, the, the odds are just slicing, slicing, slicing down. So there's over a million, a million players in, 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 in high school football. We're going to have 15,000 college, right? So, I mean, I don't even know what that is, 1.5%. And then we're going to take another, we're going to be 1.5% again, and you're going to go to play in the NFL. That's, I mean, there's been only 25,000 ever. So that's pretty incredible. And it, it, the analytics started at a very young age for me. So I didn't play football until I was like 15, 16. 
uh, high school football. But I remember talking about NFL with my high school coach. And I said, what's the best way I put in the NFL? And he said, it's not to go. And this is not a, a kick at them or anything. It's He's like, you don't want to go play for a very offensive based uh, system. You want to go play against the best defensive players you can because you're an offensive guy. Um, and they're going to make you better. So that's the reason I went to Tennessee. When people are like, oh, why'd you go to Tennessee? There's other reasons, but I had to go make myself better playing against the best elite talent there was. And at that time, and still is, if you ask people unanimously, the SEC has the best football. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not even close. And obviously, if you're pulling and you know out there hitting defensive ends and, and trying to chase down linebackers or corners out there, or you know you, you have a guy running up your throat or two of them, I mean, they're probably going to your 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 tape's going to look better. You're going to be better. You're just going to get better. So that way, if you got to the next level, I guess you'd be used to used to it to an extent. So, well, I mean, um, we, used to, we used to look at film, and every team had two to three guys on the on the defensive line that were going to play in the NFL. Yeah, every exactly. every team. That's so crazy. Um, love to win or hate to lose. Uh, hate to lose. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I I wish I wish I could say like both on that, um, but it's the losing drives you so much more just to make sure that you don't lose. <laughs> you, you don't want to feel that feeling, feeling the, the, like feeling the win is great, but what's worse? Like, I mean, what, what is, what is more extreme is the feeling of the loss versus the feeling of the win. And, you know, you know, you could ask uh, whether it's a poker player, you know, what's the wor- what's the big, what's the worst beat you've ever had. They're going to remember what's the best hand you've ever played. Definitely won't remember because, you know, you remember the, the the really the really hard times. You know, the, those stick out. The good times, I mean, hopefully they're abundant if you're if you're elite. But you know, it, to your point, I definitely hate to lose. I mean, that's a that's a philosophical question that a lot of people, you know, say could go either way. But I, I think it's pretty clear cut. I mean, Kobe Bryant went to the gym at four in the morning so that next year he didn't have to feel that pain of getting knocked out of the playoffs. Right? It wasn't so that he could win the championship. He just didn't want to feel that again. Um, what's your favorite movie of all time? That's such a another, another really tough question. Um, I was. Oh, this is going to be a funny one. Uh, comedy. Uh, so the Big Lebowski. Um, definitely, definitely a massive fan. For my thirtieth birthday party, uh, some local friends uh, they literally put put something over my head. I think it was like a trash bag, and then they took me to the. Yeah, they 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 took me into. A bowling alley, which was hilarious, and they had a huge Big Lebowski party at the at the bowling alley. Everyone dressed up. That's they hilarious. Gave, they gave me something to dress up in. Like my parents were there. It was hilarious. There was all the signs of all the, like the funny quotes. So yeah, Big Lebowski's definitely got to be up there. Awesome. Um, I know you're probably a Kobe fan, but Jordan or LeBron? Oh no, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely a Kobe fan. Kobe fan, like I. We, we can do, but we can definitely do Jordan and LeBron. Um, this, that's a very, very, very easily, easy, easy, easy answer because it, it can go, it, it'll go into another question. I'm sure you'll ask me later on. Um, but Michael Jordan is just so, so, so much better than LeBron. Like in every single category there is. Uh, LeBron, LeBron had this gift that he took for, I almost feel like he like took for granted a little bit. Um, and then he, as, I mean, who calls himself the King? Like, there's like so many, there's so many things I can go with this and I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't just give you a straight, like yet one of one or the other, 
But like I can't I can't even stand LeBron James and he's a Laker and I like the Lakers. So I can't even stand I ugh, like get get LeBron away from me. Yuck. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of Laker fans I know that say that it's hard for them to root for the Lakers when LeBron's there. Um, it's so, it's so tough. Like it, it it really is. Like he's the epitome of what I don't like in in, in that sport. No, I mean the Warriors just got Chris Paul, so he was he was pretty much my least one of my least favorite NBA players. Although you respect his game and how he gets into people's heads, you know, it's, it, he's a guy that you like when he's on your team. It's like Draymond. I mean, if, you know, if he was on any other team, you wouldn't be able to stand him. Chris Paul can't move though, man. He's he's yeah. he's definitely beyond. Like he just. I, I think you give him fifteen or twenty minutes. He could play in the clutch. He gets in mid range. He could, you know, uh, he, he's going to help the young guys. Like honestly, I, I actually. Um, I bet as much as the Barstool app would let me bet on Jonathan Kaminga being the most improved player. And it wasn't much. Like, because the odds were so high. I was going to put, you know, 100 bucks on it or something. It wouldn't let me. I think it was like 40 bucks or something. Um, but the odds are crazy. And I think he, there's a chance that if supposedly he's unlocking him, if he unlocks Kaminga, they're going to be a problem because, I mean, the dude's like 6'7, six, 6'8. Six, I mean, he jumps out of the gym. He can shoot the ball. He can handle the ball. He can play. He could defend all five he positions. Do, he can do everything. Yeah, and, and if and if somehow they could use him in an efficient way, I mean, imagine if Chris Paul's your sixth man, Kaminga is right off the bench. I mean, maybe Chris Paul starts and Looney's off the bench. You have Looney, him. You got Gary Payton too, um, who's a just a beast. Plays great defense. You know, plays way bigger than he is. Just like his dad. You know, you got Moody. You got uh, they got Saric. I mean, they're deep. So if Kaminga plays the way he should, that he could play at an All Star level in the future if he can if he can speed that up a little bit they're going to be a problem so hopefully that's that's what you're big on golden state i don't know it's uh the nuggets i i just i can't get past the nuggets i they got some weird stuff going on there the the mojo of that team jovich is just oh he's 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 just too smooth and then and then murray is just clutch it's like one of those guys, if one's scoring twenty, the other one's scoring forty. Like that's that's how it is, and it's and then the other guys around them, they all they all play well off of them. So you're right. Um, the, the caveat to that is last year was their first healthy year, so we'll see if they can stay healthy. Because I mean, they definitely. I mean, the Michael Porter Jr. didn't even play well in the finals, and he's a beast. Yep. So um, you know, they they could be good. I'm just thinking threats wise, and then obviously we have the Suns, and they're gonna obviously. I mean, maybe the best starting lineup ever. Right. I mean, maybe you play Eric Gordon, who was a nice pickup. The Warriors actually wanted him, but he's going to play like, way more. Yeah, I like Eric Gordon. He's going to play way more. I mean, you got Chris Paul, Steph, Clay, Gary Payton. You know, you let Kaminga and Wiggins handle the ball. I mean, there wouldn't be a lot of time for him there. So um, I also actually believe, even though you're probably an Austin Reeves fan, that he would barely play on the Warriors. He, he wouldn't play much at all. Why like am I an Austin Reeves fan? I don't know. I don't really. I don't all really. Him. He's, he'd be like the ninth man on the Warriors. No, all, all, yeah. Austin Reeves. I don't know. It, it, there's, there's, there. Lakers fans love themselves like an underdog story. So like they loved Kim, uh, the uh, whatever his name was. I think it was uh, no. What was it? Uh, Lim. Lim. Jeremy Lim. Jeremy Lim. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Terrible. But he was not good. Like Lakers fans all came out to go see Jeremy Lim. I remember seeing watching Kobe. Uh, you know, in his later years, I'm like, why are we going nuts for Jeremy Lim? Like, he's trash. Yeah. Um, that's so, like, Lakers fans love an underdog. Yeah, I was going to say one one thing before we move on to the next question. I know Kaminga's still on his rookie contract, but he, Austin Reeves makes about what Kaminga and Looney make this year. So, I'm taking Kaminga and Looney all day. Um, and Looney will give you 20 rebounds in a playoff game. 
Um, um, I'll save this one for later. We'll ask a few more here. We're at like 45 minutes. I don't really have a time for these things. I have no idea how long they'll go. I guess it doesn't really matter. We'll go until it gets kind of dry. Um, who's the person that you admire most? Uh, and they could be uh, dead or alive. Ooh, that's tough. Um, I admire people that are close around me. Um, I, I try to keep people I admire most close around me. So like friends and family. Um, so that, not to put like, I'll put some names out there. So people, it's kind of more of like a friendship stand, standpoint. People, and me and you have talked about this, people that help each other um, along the way. I'll, I'll throw a name out. Um, and he, he probably doesn't even realize this, but like someone like Taylor, um, he came out here for six to eight months, didn't say a word about complaining about being away from his family and friends and anything. He just, he set a standard that was so high for someone like myself to, to see and say, okay, this, this is the expectations of what, you know, something like this needs to be. And then anytime I've ever needed him for anything, drop of a hat, it's never like, Hey, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I can't get to you. He, he doesn't know the impact that he had in this clinic and, and someone like myself, but like you're the, you're the same way and not to kiss too much booty on a pod, podcast, but you're, you're the same, you're the, you're the same way. Um, but like and my previous boss before this, that is now joined the brief free movement, Todd Tomlinson, another guy, Nick Beanie, uh, these guys always want to help me get, make myself better. Cause I think in a little way and you're the same way. And so is Taylor. I think you guys all get joy out of helping, like helping people get become a better version of themselves. And I think that's what true leaders do. Um, you guys are try, trying to help a situation better themselves. And that's what you guys see in me. So I, I admire my friends uh, and people that, you know, that are around me constantly and colleagues that, uh, that I'm very lucky to be around. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a pre I appreciate that. You didn't need to, you didn't need to say that, but um, I, I, I agree, man. For me, it's, I like, I want people because your, your purpose isn't to, I mean, you go to work to earn a living, but that's not your purpose. Your purpose isn't to make money. Your purpose is, it can be driven by a lot of different things. And for me, you know, helping people achieve something they didn't think they would, which as we've discussed at length, I mean, we, it, the, the, um, core, the, 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 the purpose, the core purpose of the entire organization is to change people's lives. And we've talked about this a million times over, but it's not, it's intentionally not patient's lives because we know that these procedures work and we know that, you know, our providers spend a lot of time and no matter what they're here for, we're going to help them. And we know that the, the doctors are caring and they're, and they're going to take care of, take care of patients. So um, we know that, you know, the, they work. So I'm, I'm more concerned with the, the, the people in the clinics, whether it's someone like you or Todd or Taylor taking a leap to come on board and try something to do a little bit different or someone that we hire at the front desk, like Adam, you know, who does all of our new clinic openings after he ran a clinic. So, you know, it's, it's that. So to your point, I just, I, I, that, that, that purpose of wanting to help people achieve things they never thought they could is just, it's so powerful and impactful. So I definitely look towards people that, you know, work tirelessly and spend their time helping someone else. Um, and, you know, we're not doctors. We didn't, we didn't, you know, choose a life path of helping people like a PA or a nurse practitioner or a doctor or a nurse or a, you know, a nurse anesthetist or anything like that. It's, it's more about, I mean, now that we get to see someone on a daily basis to your, to your, to your point about uh, the patient that had the cough, I mean, you got to see it on the back end. So we get to watch people's lives change, not only that are patients, but, you know, 
someone that gets promoted to a position they didn't think they'd be able to things like that so that's that's really cool i mean you can't you can't really you can't really beat that yeah you can't um, measure that i think it's i think that's like the immeasurable so it's something that i can't really i can't just say it was a number right and this happened x amount of time so yeah that's that's why i admire uh my colleagues definitely okay awesome thank you um What does true friendship mean to you? True friendship. I think I, I think I hinted at a little bit. Um, it's a two way street. So it's, it's, you're giving, you're taking, you're receiving. Um, it's, it's, it's something that it's pretty rare nowadays, especially since you're, man, you're, you're old, Matt. So you're in the forties now. So it's even, it's even, it's even more rare for you. But uh, as they say, your, uh, your circle gets smaller and smaller as you get older. And I've definitely seen that in, in, in my in my mid thirties now. Um, true friendship, it, it doesn't need to be asked. It doesn't need to be really told um, what it is. You know it when you see it. It's hard to describe. Um, in my opinion, it's 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 very uh, natural. It's a natural feeling. You don't need to. It's funny, like with my when you go to a new area, you're like, Hey, we need to go make friends. And it feels unnatural or you're being friends because your kids are friends or whatnot. It's unnatural. Um, when you just meet someone and your energy vibes the correct way, um, there's no real way to say it's, uh, what, what, what occurred, I guess. And at the end of the day, you're just looking at each other like, Hey, I think we're, I think we're friends. Um, And that's for me. That's what I guess true friendship is. And uh, you, for for that right person, for that person, you 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 do anything for them. You'd run through a wall for them. You move to Connecticut for them. You know <laughs> exactly. You you do it. You do whatever it takes um, because they, they 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 have a need. You have a need, and, that, and that's and that's what it, that's what it is. Okay. A um, uh, couple more questions here. Tell me. Obviously, you mentioned you have. Um, one child and then you have another one on the way you have a wife tell us tell us a little bit about them uh so my wife i've been with her um going on 15 years um so pretty long there uh my child she's almost two years old her name's liddy my wife's name is uh ally um the other one on the way is going to be called indy i-n-d-y um named after another uh, film I loved growing up, Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my way of getting that name in there. But uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're really unique people. Um, my, my daughter sadly looks just like dad. I feel terrible for her, um, <laughs> but it is what it is there. Um, and then uh, my wife, she, uh, she, she works in the entertainment business, um, works for, uh, everyone's probably heard of something called like Comic-Con. So she does something called Christmas Con and '90s Con. Uh, so just think everything Christmas or everything '90s. So um, she she works on the entertainment side for social media, and then she, when she's not pregnant, she helps put these on, and she like basically is not not necessarily quote unquote the word handler for the uh, actual stars, but she's telling them where they need to go, what they need to do um, on the day to day during the actual cons. So. For me, I, I've been able to go to a couple of these. They're pretty cool. Um, 
ones actually up here in Connecticut. But the '90s con, it's all your favorite '90s artists, and so like she she works with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, um, which is kind of cool for like that type of thing. And then for me, it was like I, I got to meet uh, Topanga from uh, Boy Meets World. I was like, all right, this is like my <laughs> my '90s crush, Topanga. Like, give me some Topanga, you know what I mean? So funny enough, both my wife and her were both breastfeeding, and I was like, all right, don't give me some Topanga. Get get away. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that's that's a cool that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to be able to you know i mean that's obviously more maybe when i was a little older than you but it's still still pretty cool to be able to connect with those people that you watched on tv or you know looked up to or whatever it was listened to um so i got a couple questions i i, I'm, I was going to ask you what you do when you're not working but instead i'll just ask you directly tell us about cody cards yeah cody cards uh it's a lot it's a very big uh very big question. Um, so Cody cards 77 is the Instagram. That's my plug for that. Um, it's what I'm doing outside of work and everything. It's, it's kind of how I decompress and what that, what exactly that is. It's, it's sports cards. It's very nerd, 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 nerdy. I have to typically have to say it again because when I tell people they think it's cars, C A R S not cards, C A R D S. So I'm looking at these little, these little plastic things of cardboard, and uh, what I do is I, I buy buy them, I sell them, I trade them, I do big shows, um, and more or less I'm buying things that I grew up liking or I currently like. So whether it's a soccer card I like or a football card, and I'm also looking. It's in a way it's also kind of you're betting a little bit. So uh, you're you're betting that this card's going to gain more credibility or it's going to get more popular, so I could sell it here in six months for many reasons. So. Um, that is what I currently do when I'm not hanging out with my family and or doing my work, probably doing some Cody cards. That's awesome. Um, yeah. At Cody card 77 on Instagram. Definitely give it a follow. <laughs> Lots of good content. I'm sure. Yeah. You could be one of four on the live, but I'll be on there with you. So it'll be fun. <laughs> um, if you could give your, uh, a your 15 year old self a little bit of advice, what would you, what, what would you, what would you tell yourself? Um, that's a great question. Um, take more risk. Um, I took, I, I felt like I took a lot. Um, keep on. And I'd say take more risk and continue to say yes. Um, meaning agree, agree to take risk. Um, be open-minded. Um, it's funny. A lot of times people like, look, I think they, they ask that question and they're like, oh, I would have done things differently. I don't think I would have done anything differently. Um, a lot of people have like some type of, not necessarily regret, but they look at it and then they think, um, well, I could have done this differently or that differently. I'm really, I'm really satisfied and happy with how th things have turned out so far. Um, and I feel, I felt like I got really, really lucky because I had two older brothers and they looked out for me a lot and told me a lot of the things they sh I shouldn't do. Um, and so I definitely listened to them a lot. Whereas a lot of times we listen and you kind of like half-ass, like, yeah, I'm going to kind of do what I want to do. No, I, I listened to them and they're, what they were telling me was really good advice. Um, so I think in that sound and on that idea, like, I think I did pretty damn well. Yeah, I agreed. Um, and, and, uh, one kind of comment that you have, I think a lot of people say they would do something differently, but I don't think they would, they might yeah. do something differently, but it probably wouldn't be harder. It, it might be different. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I get the funny thing I, I sometimes think about um, if I would have gone closer to home, 
University of Southern California, USC, I would have like three Rose Bowl rings. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, that, like that's like the one thing I think about. I'm like, yeah, I'd have three Rose Bowl rings. That'd be kind of dope. But I don't, wouldn't met my wife. Um, there's like a lot of things. I don't, I don't think I would have turned out and been the same Cody that I am today. So um, I think it goes back to, it's, it's definitely really lame. I hate saying it. It's like, oh, all things happen for a reason. Um, so in some capacity, I, I do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So to your point of taking risks, you know, my granddad's famous quote that we give out an award for every year is Jack Matthews award for successful people do what other people don't, man. And that's yep. taking a risk or it may not even be a risk. It may just be something different or you have to move or difficult or something not comfortable. It's usually, com it's usually com people not wanting to be comfortable, people not wanting to take a step back or even a sidestep, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I would agree with that. I mean, I didn't take a lot of risk when I was younger. And I don't know that, you know, there's theoretical and actual risks. So maybe some of these aren't really real risks. You know, there's not a lot of like downside potentially, but, you know, something that I think about. So, yeah, I'll, I appreciate that that answer but because, you know, I agree. Um, so I'm going to ask you to just for the audience. Um, so for people that don't know, Cody's uh, he, he he's he's does really well with uh, he does a great job at, at, at impersonating people. Um, he could, he could, uh, he's got his hands on his face right now. He could, um, you know, whether it's someone famous or people in the organization, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you can, can you do any famous, Who, who's your, who's your best famous impersonation that you do? I don't know, man. I, I don't do it. I don't really do famous people. I mean, I mean, you got, you can, you can do an Australian voice. You can do a, like a Celtic voice. You can do a Southern California voice. What else? I mean, you got all, you got some other voices. I mean, you could do Todd. Who else you got? <laughs> do Todd. Uh, I, I, I can do a, uh, I don't know. I can do an East African voice, I guess. I give, give me, give me, give me the, um, give me the, give me like the British voice or what was it? British or Celtic or what was it? Scottish? You're terrible. You really, <laughs> really want this right now? Which one was it? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're trying to lure it out of me. Um, well, well, there's different accents, right? So obviously he's good. So, and then in, just like in America, you have like a West coast guy, an East coast guy, and we're all going to speak Southern, Southern person. And then, so in England, there's like Cock, Cockney and then like proper English. And then if you go North of that, you're getting into Scotland and that's totally an Irish talk differently. So I've been able to go there a couple of times and you hear the accent and it's just amazing to hear all these people speak. So I, I feel like when you do an accent, you have to like, kind of think about, being that person and what that person would sound like and i swear when anytime i do an irish accent i always think of the lucky charms guy but i don't want to act like the lucky charms guy if that makes sense <laughs> yeah like and, and it, when you meet an irish person they don't ever speak that high but they, when they do speak they, they talk a little bit wiry they talk like they're uh, always uh it, it, it's like they're asking a question constantly um Whereas a, a Scottish accent, it feels like it's coming down from their stomach. And it feels like they just like, drink bottles and bottles of scotch. That's much different than... And Irish means it's a little bit higher pitched, a little different. And then all of a sudden you want to go to more of an, an English accent. It's more proper. It's a little more slower. And this is more Cockney accent. And you, it, 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 can, it can go back and forth. No, I said forth like more Scottish. See, you can that's, mess it up really quickly. Um, that's good, man. That's really that's good. Yeah, that's 
Yeah. All right, last question. You know what it is. Oh, no. CR7 or, 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 or Messi, who they brought to Inter-Miami, and he's the hero for, uh, for, uh, of the world. <laughs> Which is, you know, I don't really understand, but he is. He's the hero now. He's on every TV channel. And so what you got for me? Oh, God. You, you just really want me to just, like, dig this, dig this guy's grave. Um, so I, I think it's pretty simple. So you have one guy that's surrounded with corruption. Um, and I don't need to say his name because if, you, if you're an avid soccer fan, you would know. Um, there's, and the, the, cool, the cool part about this is from the years 2011 to 2008, 18 the years that another guy was playing in the same league those were the years that this guy is surrounded from corruption so leo messi and barcelona paid refs from the same years that cristiano ronaldo started and left real madrid that tells you everything you need to know with the legacy of Lionel messi like right then, it tells you everything you need to know about the club of Barcelona and how scared and frightened they were of this giant and Cristiano Ronaldo coming to this club. So you have that element. So like that, so this guy has, everyone's like, oh, well, Lionel Messi has seven Ballon d'Ors. Well, yeah, five of them were going against another guy that was getting handcuffed, which also got four Ballon d'Ors during that corruption time, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. So you have everyone against you, yet... He's still balling out and can't do anything. Uh, can't do no harm because he was just killing everyone at the time in, in, uh, in Cristiano Ronaldo. And then you have this whole thing. The second, my big second piece is the huge corruption that's following the World Cup. So before the World Cup even starts, you have players, you have coaches coming out saying that the World Cup is already fixed. You so you. And this has never ha this has never happened. This has never happened in any World Cup where before the tournament starts, they're saying they're going to give the tournament to Argentina to make sure Messi wins the World Cup. Now, why would do that? Why would why would that happen? Why, why would that happen? Like, well, there's no there's no reason. Okay, well, it's just, unfortunately the world is ran by money, so let's start with there. FIFA, who is the corporate sponsor of FIFA? Question, anyone? Oh, it's Adidas. Who is the uh, the biggest earner slash supporter slash like their their poster boy for Adidas? Oh, it's Lionel Messi. Number two, where did Lionel Messi just come? Oh, America. Who is happen? Who's happening to have the World Cup next? Oh, America. Wow. So you mean you have FIFA that needs. Everyone to come to America for the next World Cup needed this guy to win a World Cup to become what he is today, surrounded by this cloud of corruption that he had in the only team he was actually good at in Barcelona because he tried another team, another club team, and he was terrible at it in two years. And you want me to tell you who's better? And I don't even have to talk about what the other guy did. I can just talk about all the stuff that the other guy did that was terrible along the way. And it, it, it doesn't make it one's better or the other. It's just like, it, it's miles and miles of difference, in my opinion. You're asking the wrong question. One guy should have everything stripped from him and the other guy is completely invalid, completely, like to top to bottom. Is he a good player? Absolutely. However, is he going to be in the GOAT conversation? Should he be in the GOAT conversation? Absolutely not. Um, so 
that's I guess that's my long winded answer. Yeah. And one thing you left out, um, you know, <laughs> they 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 were bribing the refs in the league, right? So obviously they win Spain every time. Um, but the same exact clubs were playing in the Champions League where they didn't where they couldn't bribe anyone. Sure. And I mean, one one guy three peated and one guy said he was gonna bring one was 10 years ago almost, and he never did that. So, yeah. um, you know what I mean? It's such a, it's such a great, just a great question because I, I think that most people would, would answer it, would answer it messy. Um, well, most so. people don't know. Most people aren't going to know all the stuff I just dropped. And I think the next, I think the other part that a lot of people don't even take into consideration. So a lot of people will draw out to uh, the world cup. Oh, he won a world cup. Well, look how many tournaments Portugal had won before Cristiano Ronaldo, like there wasn't a lot there. Argentina has been a perennial powerhouse since the dawn of soccer. They only made, they only made the world cup four or five times ever in their Portugal's history. And they've made it. This will be the fifth time they make it. With time. But the other important part is you can't, you're playing a club competition versus a international competition. Messi and Ronaldo cannot choose uh, what nationality they are. Okay. Argentina is it always been top three best teams in the world. Now, if you're one of the best, if not the best team uh, player in the world, yeah, you're probably going to win a World Cup, especially if you're playing with the top three team in the world. It's probably going to happen. What the bigger the bigger test is, and the bigger test is when you go to a club competition where you can actually you're you're uh, you have a lot of say in where you go. You get to be on a team cultivated by everyone in different areas, and what Ronaldo has been able to do at Real Madrid, whether it's Juventus or even Manchester United, he's won at every single league at every place he's gone. Whereas Messi had to have corruption following him everywhere he's gone. And then when the, that was that was going to be for me, I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. We'll, we'll actually see if this guy can actually do it. He went to a team, okay, if you will, at like the age of thirty-three or thirty-four, whatever he was. The team the year before went to the finals. He shows up to this team in the club comp in club competition, and what happens? They can't get out of the quarterfinals for two years. He made the team worse. So you're trying to tell me the best player in the world goes to another league, an easier league, if you will, and a stacked team, a stacked oh, team. Oh, oh. Well, it was a stacked team for a reason because they did what the year before? They went to the final the year before, and so everyone said, "Oh, well, Messi just showed up. They're gonna win. They're gonna win it now." Well, naturally, if he was, if he is what he is, uh, everyone says he is. If he's the Messiah that everyone is, not the Judas that I think he is. If he is the Messiah that everyone crowns this man to be, then they should have won back to back. No, they did not. They didn't get out of the quarterfinals. Why? Because he's the he's more Judas than he is the Messiah, and that's that's why when anyone asks me Cristiano Ronaldo versus Messi, if you don't know my answer and you really want an answer on this, I'm almost you just don't know soccer, and that's fine. Like you just you just don't know, and that's fine. And if you just don't know, that's fine too. That's what I'm saying. If you really yeah. care to know, then it's it's a big answer, and it's. It, it sucks because our culture, and you know, it's funny if you go look at most admirable people in the uh, like 2020. Culturally, Ronaldo's way more admired than this guy is, and there's there's a reason for that. Ronaldo's a family man, does the right things, like loves. It. He's doing all he gives so much to charity and stuff. Um, 
he's just done so much more uh, for the game of soccer. Uh, where Lionel Messi, he's kind of weird. He just seems like a weird guy, and that's fine. There's weird human beings out there, and that's fine. I'm not trying, not, nothing against them. But if you're going to be the poster child of soccer for the next generation, you're gonna have to work on yourself to not be what you are. And and he's a little, a little, a little weird for me. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, I feel like there's Jordan people and LeBron people, and I feel like there's Ronaldo and Messi people. And I think anyone, there's not very many people that would say LeBron and Ronaldo or Jordan and Messi. It's going to no, be, Jordan, it's going to be Jordan or Ronaldo every time. Correct. Every time. Or, or Messi and LeBron. Every time. It's me- Yeah, it's Messi. it's Messi and LeBron or Jordan and Ronaldo. Right? And, and, you, and you could stick Kobe in for Jordan. It would be the same. It's the same. Without a doubt. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I appreciate you answering all these questions. Uh, we have a minute or two if you want to ask me anything, not that you have to, um, if you want to great. If not, you know, you can go home. It's probably getting close to dinner time. So it is getting close to dinner time. Um, damn, I, I had questions along this, uh, along this, I guess my question for you is, uh, what is, what is the hardest thing about breathe free for you? And, uh, like what's, I think I know some of the answers, but like maybe not all the li- listeners, like from your end, like what's the hardest thing about this place? And what's the best place? Like peaks and volleys. Um, I mean, it was really hard when we started not, you know, so much indecision, you know, not, not, not taking a paycheck for, I mean, probably almost nine months, you know, get things got pretty tight at the end there before it started really, you know, catching up to itself. So that was tough. Um, when you start, you don't know what you don't know. And I, and I've learned that, you know, anytime you're building something, it takes longer and costs more money, whether it's a construction company or, or a company you're building or anything, it always takes longer and costs more money. Um, and so to that, to the spirit of that, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I thought, you know, I knew what I didn't know. I thought that, you know, I knew more than I did. Um, and so, you know, learning that you don't know nearly what you think you do is kind of humbling and then you have to figure it out. So, I mean, I, I, it's interesting because I'm so far removed from the day-to-day stuff with the insurance companies and authorizations and things like that. But I know that process so well because I had to do it, right? And, and it would be really hard for me to, you know, try to direct an organization or find people that can direct these departments and things like that if I don't even understand what they're doing. So it was kind of nice that had, had I started doing it and realized that I knew what I was doing, I could have let other people do it. But once I realized I didn't, I knew I had to do it right. So I wanted to you know, make sure that we did it right. So we didn't lose anything. And then on top of that, then I could teach people how to do it the way that it needed to be done. So that was really hard. I mean, there's a lot of hard things. I mean, you know, now that there's about 400 folks or give or take, you know, 70 APPs. So PAs and nurse practitioners, we got 25 surgeons, um, a lot of different questions, you know, different personalities. It's hard to get everyone on the same page. Sometimes it's hard to keep quality as we continue to grow. That's like probably the hardest challenge, but I think that's most companies. You know, whether it's Starbucks going from 10 to 50 to 100 to, you know, 1,000 to 20,000 or whatever, you know, you, it's not the same. Um, so what do, you, what do you love about it, though? Like, there's a lot of hard things, but what, what do you love about this? I mean, I love watching it grow. I love watching it, see how it affects people, not only mm-hmm. patients, but, you know, like our conversation earlier about changing people's lives. I love, sure. you know, seeing seeing everyone at the meetings every year. I mean, that's part of the reason we do it. I mean, obviously, there's an educational component. There's a fun component. You know, there's a camaraderie component, but it's just more about the culture. I just love seeing the culture. It's fun. Everyone enjoys it. We're helping a lot of people. 
Um, you know, a lot of people that never would have got help in other places. We can be flexible for patients. We can do all types of things. We have flexible availability. And, you know, in almost any clinic, if they're like, I can only do this on a Saturday, somebody will do it. I can only do it at 6 p.m. on a Tuesday. Somebody will probably do it. I can only come to see a new patient. I can only be a new patient at 6.30 a.m. Somebody will come do it. You know, it's just it's just seeing that. It's like really cool, the flexibility. You know, it really bugs me whether it's a restaurant that's like, oh, we can't do that substitution or the chef won't do it or a business where they're like, oh, we just don't do that. And I'm like, why? Like, what's what's the reason? I don't you know. We don't need to just do it. It's a policy. We don't have a policy that we have to just follow unless it's, you know, if it's legal or if it's compliance or if there's something that's in, in the insurance company's guidelines, like you have to follow those. But if we have a policy of we're open from nine to five and somebody wants to come at 530, we don't just say no, because that's our policy. Right. If there's any way for us to make it happen, we do it. Um, and, and that's the difference, you know. It, it, it'll, it, you know, you can really have a positive impact on people's lives at a time in which, you know, they're sick, they're at the doctor. I mean, it's obviously not life or death in most cases, in nearly all cases, um, with, with, with ENT related problems, but there's still people that are seeing you at their worst. They're taking time off of work, they're paying money, whether it's a copay or deductible, they're, you know, they're, they're not doing what they would prefer to be doing at that time, right? Because nobody wants to go to the doctor, right? So you're sick, you're, frustrated, you need a solution and we see you at your worst. And so how can we impact you in a way, uh, give you an experience in a way that, you know, is something that can change your day, can, can, can brighten your day up just a little bit. And we have some pretty cool things coming down the pike too on, you know, patient satisfaction and things like that, that we're going to be able to in institute in the office um, that I learned from uh, a talk that I saw with Will Gadara, who wrote um, Unreasonable Hospitality um, and, and just some of the things they did as they went from the 50th best restaurant to the number one restaurant, to one Michelin star, two Michelin stars, three Michelin stars, just some little things that they did. Um, we're going to try to institute some of those because I know that we can make a really cool impact on um, patients' lives, not only, you know, locally in each clinic, but as we continue to grow and we have better systems in place, um, we can we can impact even more people. So, I mean, that's a lot of fun, man. I mean, seeing it grow is fun. I mean, there's, there's so many great things about it. I don't get to travel out to the clinics like I used to. I'm hoping next year I'm going to try to create a cadence to be able to do that once we get through the rest of the year, um, just so I can get to see people more often than just once a year at the meetings. Uh, we, we, we narrowed down to our, our, our meeting choice for, for next year as a last topic. Um, it's going to be Dallas and Nashville are on the table as well as Vegas. Oh, so you're letting so, people see this in the podcast. Huh? This, is a pod, this is a podcast exclusive. If, uh, it it is. If people have made it uh, you know, to the one hour and thirteen minute mark, they're going to have an idea. As yeah, there's 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 a little bit of, a little bit of heat if you wait till the end. So um, we just had a call about that today. There's some cool choices, and then That's I awesome. think I think we'll probably do Arizona the year after. Uh, awesome. I just didn't want to. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It, it's cool. We got some cool stuff cooking. So, um, uh, Cody, appreciate you, Cody Card seventy seven, Ethan Cody Pope, um, the California kid. Appreciate you coming on, man. Um, it's always a good conversation. Got to ask you a few questions that even though I've talked it for hours and hours and hours in multiple different countries, multiple different places, you know, early morning, all day long at night, we've had plenty of good conversations. I've never got to ask you some of these questions. I don't know why I never asked you the NFL question. Um, it just popped in my head. It wasn't even on my list. It's crazy that it wasn't. So I appreciate you, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. And um, I'll let you know this. Th hopefully this will be up soon. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Appreciate it. This is fun, right? Yeah, it was awesome. We'll have to do it again soon once we get a couple more under our belts. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is cool. Maybe we could, uh, I think the cool thing would be is have a couple of us and you could uh, ask us different, similar questions and let us all have, you know, different answers. Different yeah, I, I even want to do like a private one where it's like, 
you know, not, not breathe free related. Obviously there could be some breathe free people on it, but just more content of different types of things, whether it's politics or sports or news or media or, you know, whatever. Um, so that'll be coming soon. Once I figure out how to have this whole thing works. That's what Matt wants to do next. This is the next thing, huh? Yeah. I don't know. It's fun, man. I enjoy it. It's just, I don't even need my list of questions anymore. Like it, and I'm only done a few of them now. So um, well, yeah, just, if, you, if, if you're just, I guess, curious, right. Um, about people and like what they're, how they tick and what, why they do what they do. It's interesting. So. It's what happens when you get old. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, uh, um, um, I appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. Likewise, bro. See ya.